Well, that race was a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. Max Verstappen winning the Spanish Grand Prix and with it now has the lead in the World Championship. We're going to go over the Grand Prix weekend and have our report card for all 10 teams. This is the Spanish Grand Prix Review and it's also the Overtake F1 Podcast. I'm Tony Desiri. Thanks for listening. Hey, a reminder to subscribe to the channel if you've been liking what we've been doing and leave us a five-star review. We do really appreciate it. Help us grow the channel. We are in our second season. I do have to apologize. Last week, we did not put out a Spanish Grand Prix preview. I normally do a preview prior to the race, but I had gotten busy with my full-time job covering uh, the NBA playoffs and some different other projects, and the time did get away from me. Nevertheless, we will have a Monaco Grand Prix preview coming up later this week. But let's go over the Spanish Grand Prix because, again, this was a lot more interesting than I thought it would be because Barcelona just doesn't provide great races all the time. And Sunday's drama at various points during the race did make it very compelling and more important as we now have seen a switch in both the driver's standings and the constructor's lead as Red Bull has taken over both with another one-two finish with Verstappen taking the lead after his third straight victory. Now, Australia feels like it's a long time ago now, right? Because that was that day where Charles Leclerc dominated. He had the Grand Slam win. It was a DNF for Verstappen. George Russell was second in the points, leaving Melbourne. Everyone was talking about reliability of Red Bull engines, and we didn't know where this was going forward. There were some drivers that were talking about, well, you know, we're way outside the race now for the championship. But that seems like ages ago now because Red Bull and especially Max Verstappen have won the last three races. Red Bull has gone 1-2 in two of the last three races. And now we're talking about Ferrari's woes and Red Bull's dominance and it changed that quickly. It didn't take much. I mean, here we are in late May. We still go all the way into the fall and we've already seen the dynamics of the championships change. You know, I've said this in podcasts before. I think that sort of defeatism that some drivers have early in a season where they go, well, we're not competitive. It doesn't look like championship is in the bag for us this season. There's a lot of races left. And I, I know, I know it's hard. I know when you're going up against strong teams, it's not easy, but if you're on a strong team and you fixed your reliability issues and you can compete up front and you get a few DNFs from your opponent or some mid range finishes like P six P seven due to circumstances, you can get right back into this thing as Red Bull has shown. It didn't take long. It didn't take all season. They didn't overcome Charles Leclerc at the U.S. Grand Prix in October. We're three races removed from Australia, and in that quick amount of time, Red Bull is now on top of both standings. Now, they did have some DRS issues with Max's car, but it wasn't enough of a problem to prevent Max from winning this race. Now, you couple that with Leclerc's power issues, it makes Barcelona sort of a turning point in the championship fight. We may be looking back on this particular Grand Prix as the moment that either defined a championship run, or we may look back and say, this is when it got interesting and sort of a more back and forth affair. We don't know. We'll see where this is heading, but I think this could be a pivotal moment in the season. All right, so let's go over the race. Charles Leclerc started from pole position. Verstappen, Carlos Sainz were the top three on the grid, and Mercedes had both drivers in the top six. Haas had both of their drivers in the top 10. Good run on Saturday and qualifying for both Haas drivers. Fernando Alonso, he didn't get out of Q1 on Saturday, so he took a new power unit, figured I don't have much to lose, and he started from the back of the pack. Charles Leclerc and Verstappen both got off to pretty good starts. Leclerc getting the lead into turn one, had a good little racy bit at the very beginning, and Russell was able to get to third. 
but then the racing fireworks started when Kevin Magnuson and Lewis Hamilton went side by side. K-Mag slides off the track. He goes into the gravel. Hamilton suffers a puncture that's going to require an early pit stop that puts him in the back of the field, but on some soft tires. Now, a couple of things early on in this race. One, Fernando Alonso was really moving up the board. Now, two of the spots had to do with Magnuson and Hamilton colliding and both having to go into the pits, but he was able to get up to like 13th, seven laps into the race. So the new power unit change was really serving him well. Second, Carlos Sainz spun into the gravel. He was running P6 at the time, did manage to get back on track. But I mean, my God, just like Australia and Imola, he saw his Ferrari go off. However, this time he managed to continue the race and those two previous races, he did not finish third, like Carlos signs for Stappen also found the gravel that happened on lap nine gust of wind. He went from second to fourth falling behind George Russell and Sergio Perez moved up to third after being able to pass Perez. And then both Verstappen and Russell started pitting on lap 16. Meanwhile, Leclerc up front was cruising quite content to let Verstappen and Russell battle it out behind him. Verstappen had a lot of DRS issues. It was coming and going. He could not get the wing to open. Boy, he was pretty fired up about that too. He had issues with it during qualifying as well. The battle with Russell was really good racing though. Russell did a fantastic job defending Max, who was able to get DRS working on a few occasions and attempting to pass. But Verstappen made an inside pass only for Russell to gain it back again. Really good stuff from those two drivers. But while they're battling it out, Charles Leclerc is way ahead of him and looks like he's cruising to a Spanish Grand Prix victory. However, on lap 27, this is where it starts getting interesting. Leclerc starts to lose some power. No, 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 no. He has to come into the pits and retire the car. It's his first DNF of the season, and it's a big one because his championship lead was going down over the last two races anyway, and now it looked like he would lose it after this race, which he did. So the battle for P2 becomes Verstappen and Russell. That's for the race lead, which Russell has as Max Verstappen goes in for fresh tires to try to undercut Russell. That leaves George battling with Sergio Perez. Now, Perez made that work for him by passing Russell for the lead. Now, Verstappen gets behind Russell, and it looks like they're going to start another track battle. However, Russell goes in to get some new tires. So now, this is where we are at. Red Bull has a one-two up front and they start building up a nice cushion. That is until Perez came in for his second stop of the race. Lap 39, Verstappen led over Perez and Russell. Max had another pit stop coming. He's riding on those soft tires, and he did so on lap 44. He takes mediums. That's going to get him to the finish. That gave the lead back to Perez. However, the radio message comes in. If Max is quicker, you let him go. Perez says, unfair, but okay. And he lets Max go past him on lap 49. More on this later. We'll get to that in a second. Meanwhile, Lewis Hamilton is flying around the track. He went from last after the puncture on the first lap to P6 and looking to pass Carlos Sainz for a top five finish. Valtteri Botas is just ahead of Sainz and they're actually going four, five, and six. And Hamilton is thinking he can also get past Botas. He thinks he can get to P4. So Sainz passes Botas for fourth. Hamilton passes him for fifth. Botas, by the way, on older tires. On lap 60, Hamilton got the fourth place spot, passing Sainz on the front stretch going into turn number one. 
But then things started to change for him. He was suffering some cooling issues and needed to lift and coast. Now, this was a serious problem as Mercedes told him this was a DNF situation. If you didn't do this, we could not finish the race. So you have to be careful. If you have to give up a spot, give up a spot because we may be stuck out there with a busted car and not finish this race. Signs passes him. Hamilton was able to get home in fifth. All right, so I said there's a couple of things we want to unpack here for the Spanish Grand Prix. I mean, normally kind of a boring race, but even though Verstappen and Perez kind of cruised to victories, there was a lot of issues coming out of Barcelona that I think deserve discussing. One, we'll talk about Red Bull giving orders to Sergio Perez, who felt like he could have won the race to move past and let Max go through if he was quicker. I mean, there was a lot of people wondering, of course, you want Max Verstappen to win the race. You've got a world championship to defend. And others think, hey, if you're Sergio Perez, why don't you say, look, I'm not going to come in. I, I'm here to win races. I know I'm a good teammate, but I'm also, if I have a chance to win, I'm going to take the win. Also, Ferrari and their reliability issue here. It wasn't just Charles Leclerc's engine that failed. Zhou Guan Yu, his engine powered by Ferrari, also didn't make it to the finish line for Alfa Romeo. And also, it, again, we brought up Australia. It's not that long ago on the calendar. And at that moment, it looked like if Ferrari was going to finish races, they were going to win races, right? I mean, it looked like Red Bull had some concerns and Mercedes wasn't up to speed and Ferrari had dialed in 2022 correctly of all the teams and they had a powerful one, two lineup. I mean, Carlos Sainz and, and Charles Leclerc looked like they were just going to garner podium finishes all season. But I think the, the, the smart fan knew that again, this is a long season and developments were coming once they got into European soil and let's see where this was going. And after, even after Imola, there still was a feeling like, okay, Red Bull had their day and let's see what Ferrari can do in Miami. And may, you know, they didn't have the sort of straight line speed as Red Bull had, but let's see in Barcelona. And sure enough, Charles Leclerc started from pole position. And we know in Barcelona, if you start from the pole position, you're going to win the race. And again, he was on his way to winning the race until the power issue came. So first of all, let me say this. I think the reports of Ferrari's demise are greatly exaggerated, and I think many of you do too. I think that everyone knows that teams experience lulls, they experience what they call racing things, right? Not finishing races, engine problems, whatever, spin outs, whatever it may be. Those are the things that are going to cost you points in the long haul. But Ferrari is going to be competitive every single place they go this season. That's just the way it's going to be. And they're going to win some more races. So this championship fight now looks really interesting. It looks like it could go back and forth a little bit here between Verstappen and Leclerc. And if you remember coming out of Barcelona last year, right, this is when everybody started feeling like Hamilton had gotten a grip on the world championship and he had it by the stranglehold and Max Verstappen was like, eh, there's nothing we can do. That's Mercedes. They're really strong. And it was at Monaco that things started to change. Hamilton didn't have a good run there. Verstappen won that race. He went on, you know, they, they both didn't finish at Baku, but then he won in France and he started compiling up you know, two, two races in Austria, Silver. Silverstone, he had a 32-point lead, I think, after the sprint race, only to crash, crash at Cop's Corner, and that allowed the, the championship to tighten up a little bit. Again, a long season, a lot of races, but again, Barcelona could be the turning point here. It could be the race we point to and say, that is when it got really interesting. Yes, Verstappen won in Imola. Yes, he won at Miami, but it was right there when he took over the points lead that we had a very, very interesting back and forth Formula One World Championship battle. 
All right, so let's get to the let's get to the teams here and let's go through them and we'll get to the Red Bull situation in just a second. But let's start with them as we give our report cards for the all 10 teams on the grid in Barcelona. For Red Bull, another 1-2 finish for her team, just like at Imola. However, it was hard. Verstappen did not have that DRS working properly. That's a basic thing. You got to be able to have that working. It was coming and going. It was in and out. Sergio Perez did not like the team orders, said that they needed to speak later. Now, he clarified that even further later, saying he does understand the picture. He does understand you know, being a teammate and all of those things. But I got to think he was talking about in the heat of the moment. But I think even in the heat of the moment, he's got a pretty good point. Yes, he was on older tires. Yes, he was on a different strategy. But 17 laps remaining, I mean, if you think about it from Perez's standpoint, right? Let's say he wasn't in a Red Bull and he was in a, 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 another competitive car. I don't want to actually name a team because some of you will be like, well, if it was in that car, he wouldn't have been able to hold off a Red Bull. Let's say he was in a car equally as strong as a Red Bull, but he was on a different team. So there was no order coming in to let Max pass. You like his chances? Older tires, 17 laps to go, but with a DRS on his opponent that's coming in and out, right? I mean, I'd like my chances. I'd like, you know, I think I would be pretty good with that. So again, in a situation where he would not have been asked to move aside, he would have been asked to win the race if he was on another team. I think he has every right to say, yeah, those circumstances, I could have beat Max. I think I would have liked my chances to beat Max, but on it, on the team, that's not how that's going to work. So Christian Horner did defend the, the orders. He said, look, uh, I understand Perez's frustration, but in the end, this is how we wanted it because again, we were on two different strategies here, but I do think he was, he would have been able to hold off for Stappen with for Stappen's DRS issues. If they did come to play, remember those DRS issues were coming in and out as the Grand Prix was, was, was progressing. So maybe Verstappen has them, but you don't want to make your teammate work that hard, I guess. And, and, and so Checo is a very, very good teammate and has been, I mean, I st- look, I think the Abu Dhabi run that he had when he fought Lewis Hamilton to allow Max Verstappen to close the gap early in that race. Remember, Hamilton was speeding away, had a big, big cushion, and Max, with, with Checo in the lead and holding off Lewis Hamilton and holding him back and fighting him and defending and never allowing Hamilton to get that clear air, it allowed Verstappen to close, and Verstappen said on the radio, man, Checo's a legend. Yeah, and it was, it was legendary. That l- level of defense from your teammate while you pursued a world championship. But again, Again, I understand his frustrations because I don't want to be out there fighting as well. As far as Mercedes goes, how about George Russell? It's another top five finish for George Russell. What an amazing season he is having. He is the only driver to have a top five in all six Grand Prix so far this year. Here in the P3 at Barcelona, it's another podium for George Russell. However, the driver of the day, that was Lewis Hamilton. An early puncture, put him in the back of the pack. He ended up P5. Now, Mercedes is really starting to come around here. Hamilton said afterwards that the pace is getting better. It's getting up there with the leaders. He did have to cool the car at the end. That that he did have to do. That prevented him from a P4 finish. The porpoising issue is still there, but it's not as bad. And it's no longer on the straight, so that's good. You know, Mercedes continuing to upgrade that car, and I I think it's a little late, but you never know. But both drivers are now starting to be in the mix for some wins this season. Ferrari, really, really bad day for the Scuderia. Leclerc was heading to a comfortable victory, and then bam, power failure. Goodbye third win of the season, and goodbye championship lead. They're now chasing the rabbit. Carlos Sainz did finish fourth for the team, but he was also behind both Red Bulls, so the Constructors' Championship is gone too. 
Alfa Romeo, Valtteri Bottas earns a P6. He was on a two-stop strategy and didn't have really the tires to hold off Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton. Said so on the radio as he was fighting both of them down the stretch. Um, he did get that P6, and it was another run in points for every race that he has finished this year. Zhou Guan Yu did not finish. He was out with engine trouble, as I mentioned earlier. Alpine. Both drivers finishing in the top 10. A really, really good run from Esteban Ocon. He finished 7th after starting the race 12th, but a very, very good run for Fernando Alonso. He got points, finishing 9th after starting on the back of the grid. The hometown favorite got a great run off the car after bad qualifying on Saturday. Figured didn't have much to lose, got the new power unit, totally paid off. He did get some points. Both drivers in the points at Barcelona. McLaren. Boy, what a, what a difference of two drivers. I'm telling you, they've got that problem at McLaren now because these guys, both of these guys, they're not on equal footing here. Lando Norris was really, really sick. Tonsillitis, he had a high fever, and somehow, and don't ask me how, he finished eighth. I can't imagine the hell he went through in that car, by the way. I mean, to, to suffer with an illness and a high fever, it's extremely hot, and he had to miss engineering sessions he still goes home with points for the team. What's Daniel Ricardo's excuse? He went backwards. He finished 12th. Didn't have any grip. Three stops. He had four different sets of tires. Couldn't get anything working. McLaren's got a Ricardo issue. Let's just admit it. Let's just admit it. And I love Danny Rick, but this is a problem. How does a guy like Lando Norris get points when he's pretty much shouldn't be in the race car. He was cleared. So I don't want to make that clear, but he shouldn't even be in the race car. And Ricardo who wasn't sick just goes backwards in the same car. I, it, it boggles my mind. And again, I like Daniel Ricardo, but McLaren's got a driver problem. Haas, neither Mick Schumacher or Kevin Magnussen finished in the points. Both drivers got into Q3 Saturday. So this was a very, very disappointing day for the team and Gunther Steiner. I mean, they were obviously expecting some better results. Both drivers in Q3. Come on. But Magnuson did tangle with Hamilton, and that obviously sent him back in the field. He just didn't have the car after that to get back into the fight like Hamilton did. Schumacher went on a two-strap strategy, and that just didn't work out in terms of getting into uh, the top 10 or even staying in the top 10. AlphaTauri, Pierre Gasly, not a factor in this race at all, except for getting a five-second penalty for spinning out Lance Stroll. He was frustrated, of course. He said he had some minor uh, damage that caused him to lose pace on, from the floor. Um, he did take responsibility, however, for the Stroll incident. Yuki Tsunoda got a top-10 finish, he, uh, a P10, and he did so from the 13th place on the grid. Remember Gasly at Miami was off the racetrack, came back on, tangled with Lando Norris, and he's tangling with Ranch, Lance Stroll slow down, Pierre, slow down. We, we love you. And we kind of want to see you moving up, but chill Williams, awful day for the Williams. Not that surprising. I mean, Nicholas Latifi did finish P 16, Alex Albon, who was getting a lot out of this car this season, or really he was getting a lot out of this car finished P 18. They struggled with pace. Albon said afterwards that he had, so he also had some damage early on after his first pit stop that affected his race pace. Um, Latifi finishing ahead of Albon for the first time this year, Aston Martin, my goodness, was there so much conversation about how the team copied Red Bull's design and their aerodynamic upgrade. 
But man, they didn't match Red Bull in terms of results. Both Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll finishing outside the points. Vettel was running in the points with a uh, two-stop strategy, but that caused him to finish 11th. Stroll got spun by Gasly trying to make the overtake. He ended up 15th. Both drivers didn't get out of Q1 on Saturday. All right, so that's the report card for all 10 teams. Now, it is off to Monaco for the crown jewel of the calendar, a full day of racing uh, for those of us who follow NASCAR and IndyCar because it's the Indy 500 as well as NASCAR's Coca-Cola 600 all on the same day. So you get the Monaco Grand Prix, the Indianapolis 500, and the NASCAR Coca-Cola 600 all Memorial Day weekend. Um, Look, we're going to have a lot to say about Monaco. I know there's a lot of people ready to take the arrows out to this crown jewel event. And I don't know, maybe it is time to start looking at Monte Carlo a little differently than we have in years past. It is a great race in terms of its glitz and glamour. It's not a great race in terms of actual racing. We will discuss that coming up later this week in our Monaco Grand Prix preview. You'd want to keep an eye out on that. Remember, subscribe to the channel if you want to keep updated with what we're doing here at the Overtake F1 podcast. I certainly hope you do. You can also follow me on Twitter at Tony D Radio, and you can reach me there. Uh, I'd love for those of you who are new to Formula One, if you have any questions about the sport, you can reach out to me. Um, you can email me, uh, Tony D Radio Show at yahoo.com is where you can reach me there. We certainly would love to hear from you. Leave us a five-star review again if you like what we've been doing because it does help us grow the channel. And we would look, love to grow the channel, especially uh, not only around the world, but especially in the United States. All right. So uh, one other note from Formula One, the Russian Grand Prix, which had been canceled, was looking to be rescheduled. That date was looking to be rescheduled somewhere. It is not. So 23 races is out. 22 races will be 2022. So sort of that record-breaking number that they were looking for this year. It's going to have to hold off. We're down to 22 races this season for the world championship. All right. So we leave Barcelona with Max Verstappen, the points leader, Red Bull, the constructors leader. We head to Monte Carlo for the Monaco Grand Prix. I really hope Charles Leclerc can put on a show in front of his hometown because last year was so heartbreaking. All right. I'm Tony Desiri. Thanks for listening to the Spanish Grand Prix review. This is the Overtake F1 podcast.